Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Before we get to today's episode with Udonis Haslam, we want to introduce you to our newest partner, which, like us, is Pure South Florida. That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all of your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. That's 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years of complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. Also, in-house financing is available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129, that's 305-680-1129, or stop into the dealership, you work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go. A quick word on what you're about to hear from Udonis Haslam. There are a few curse words in this interview, so listener discretion is advised. And now, the Miami and Miami Heat legend, Udonis Haslam. Welcome into a special episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Whittingham. Thank you for finding us. If you're an Apple person, you can find us on iTunes, Android, Google Play, the best way to get us. And we are on multi-platform apps like CastBox, Podbean, and Stitcher. Now, we've been doing some Heat Stories episodes here on the podcast We did one with Ron Rothstein, a couple with Eric Reed, Tony Fiorentino, Jason Jackson. And of course, we constantly get requests for this guy. And before we bring you in here, Udonis, I want to throw this at you. We've got Udonis Haslam here with us on the line. I put up a poll yesterday on our Twitter feed at Five Reason Sports, and I asked for the most Miami athlete of the 2000s in any sport. Where do you think you finished? Does this, have, does this mean born in Miami or just an <laughs> athlete that played in Miami? Athlete that encompasses the spirit of Miami. Encompasses the spirit of Miami, the real Miami, not mm-hmm. the South Beach Miami, I, I would say myself. That's what I voted. You'll never guess who was voted in first, though. Who? <laughs> Dwayne. Oh. <laughs> That's my boy, though. So it is what it is. I mean, I understand how that goes, man. That's my boy. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it is what it is, but, you know, make no mistake about it, man. We all know who city this is. <laughs> they can, listen, listen, they can write what they want to write and say what they want to say, but when the sun go down and, and, and the, the pop won't get the pop, and who they going to call? <laughs> you, not Dwayne. <laughs> exactly. And that's my boy. I love D-Wade to death, and it is Wade County. You know what I'm saying? But me and him already figured this out. He takes South Beach, I take Dade County. That's how that goes. All right, so let's get to the beginning here with you, a little UD. Is there a story from growing up that kind of best encapsulates what that experience was like for you growing up in Miami? Is there is there one thing that comes first to mind for you? Yeah, I remember growing up, you know, I used to stay in um, Lake and Cern Apartments. Now they call it Crystal Lake. You know, this was in Kara City. I moved around a little bit, and I remember being at the park, and, um, you know, I got into it with this little kid, and he punched me in the mouth and ran and knocked my tooth out, and I, I couldn't find him. I was so pissed off I couldn't find him. He ran, he knocked my tooth out and ran, and I went home, and my dad 
my tooth was knocked down. He saw me crying. And he told me if I don't come home, if I don't go outside and find that kid and kick his ass, if I come home, I'm gonna get my ass whooped by him. I looked for that kid for three hours, and when I found him, I kicked his ass. <laughs> Did you ever see that kid again? I mean, have you seen that kid in recent years at all? Do you have any idea what happened to him? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's been a long time since then. We obviously we, we end up being friends. I mean, when you grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, in the inner city, you know, you and your boys, you, you disagree, you know, you fight a little bit. And then, you know, two, three days later, you're back being boys again. You know, it, it just, it's over with. That, that's that's common. You know what I mean? That's how we grew up. You know, that's how you know you're real friends. You know, your friendship is tested constantly growing up. So when you make it to 20, 25, 30, you know, you're real friends. You're like brothers by that time. How many of the people that you grew up with, I mean, you mentioned uh, that those are your real friends. I mean, I see the pictures on Instagram that you take with some of the people that you grew up with. How big is that circle? Because I, I know a lot of pro athletes, you know, when they come famous and obviously when you be kind of come to the mayor of the city like you have, that a lot of people sort of want to be around you. But how big is sort of Udonis's circle for Miami? How, how big do you keep it? It's gotten smaller, but I know a lot of people. You know, I'm associated with a lot of people. I'm affiliated with a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? So I show love and how love is shown my way. But as far as, you know, my homeboys that I grew up with, you know, 20 years of, you know, real, real friendship, you know, it, it's gotten smaller. You know, a couple guys have moved away. Lost a couple guys to violence, lost a couple people to incarceration. But um, I still got a, about a handful, you know, of close homeboys that, you know, I speak to, you know, every day. And, um, you know, we keep in touch with each other. And we all doing good things, big things. We keep each other encouraged. How much is that characteristic, what you described, of your dad instilling into you, all right, you have to go and take care of business? I feel like that's a very big part of your NBA personality and, frankly, something that is becoming less and less common. So in terms of that experience and the experience of growing up where you did, how much did that shape you in your basketball personality? I mean, probably the majority of it because nothing was ever given to me easy in this basketball world. You know, my whole career has been, you know, overcoming obstacles, overcoming odds, people not thinking I can do it, people not thinking I'm good enough, people challenging me, and me having to, you know, accept the challenge head on and prove people wrong. So, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that my upbringing has had a large part to do with the success I've had and who I am today, for sure, for sure. So you're at Miami High. You're playing for Frank Martin. Frank's a different kind of character. Do you have one Frank Martin story? Frank ain't for everybody, you know, but he took a lot of inner city kids who weren't easy kids to deal with, and he molded us in the men. You know, people talk about a lot of different, a lot of negative stuff that happened to Miami High, but people don't talk about the fact that he kept inner city kids out of trouble, and he sent inner city kids to college, you know, and that's the most important thing. You know, a lot of us went to Miami High. It wasn't because of Frank recruited us. He didn't have to go, go get us. The school recruited itself. You know, if you wanted to be a great basketball player in the city of Miami, you wanted to play for the best, you want to have an opportunity to get out of the city. Miami High was the place to go. You know, Frank Martin was like a father figure to a lot of us, man. And to this day, you know, he's still like a father figure to a lot of us. Man. We, we, we would do anything for Frank. But definitely Frank ain't for everybody. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> what is your best Frank ain't for everybody story? Uh, it's a lot of them, man. I mean, sheesh. One day we were practicing terrible, you know, and he was just like, all oh, you guys just, I mean, I can just, for instance, you know, one day we were just having a, a well, we won by 20. I can give you two stories. One day we were having a terrible practice, and um, he was like, all oh, you guys just get the F out of here. Well, a lot more than that. But he was like, oh, y'all get out of here. So, you know, we try to be responsible. He's like, now nah, we're going to practice. So we start practicing. He leaves the court. We start practicing. Five minutes later, the lights cut off. Wow. Four minutes later, security comes in and escorts us out of the out, out of practice. And then uh, it was another story where we were playing against Jackson. And we won by like 20. And he, he took us back to the gym and made us practice after the game and told us he doesn't care if our parents leave us and we got to walk home. So we had to practice after the game. And, you know, most of our parents stayed and waited. But 
you know, that was just who he was. He, he wasn't going to let up on us. And that's what we needed. You know, a lot of people think Frank is tough, but when you're dealing with inner city kids, which a lot of people don't have the opportunity or experience to, they need tough. They need tough love. I want to talk a little about your journey uh, at University of Florida. Can you talk about the time that you saved Mike Miller's ass in college? Because uh, Mike, has, <laughs> Mike has told me that story. Uh, I was wondering if you had a version of it. Uh, you know what? It was me. You know, I had taken a liking to Mike. The first time I saw Mike was he, we were playing his AAU tournament. I was playing with the Florida Flash. It was me, Keon Doolin, Clarence Gilbert, uh, Tracy McGrady. Um, you know, we just had a dope, dope team. And, you know, we were sitting down. We were going to play the next game. And I saw this team of all white kids. And I was like, they got to suck. And then I saw this one guy that did everything. I mean, he rebounded. He brought the ball up. He had the corniest haircut I ever saw in my life. But he was a hoop. And I was like, yo, this kid can go. And I was like, this is the, this is like the unicorn, like the stuff you hear about but never see. Like, I know it's white kids out here like this, but we just never see them in Miami. You know, so I was like, yo, this kid can go. And I never knew, I never, you know, in my mind, I never thought that he would be my roommate or that he would be a friend of mine in the University of Florida. So I had already taken a liking to Mike, you know, before that. We got to the University of Florida, we were sweet mates, not roommates, we were sweet mates. So basically we just shared a restroom, shared a bathroom together. He was dating um, his wife now. At that time, her name was Jen- Jenny King. And, um, you know, Mike's from South Dakota, man. He ain't bothering nobody. All Mike wanted to do, all Mike ever did was play basketball. I mean, that's all he did. So, he was dating this guy who his boyfriend was a football player. Guy had a problem with Mike. Mike never bothered nobody, man. And the guy had a problem with Mike. And you know, I just totally got basically like, yo, listen, you got a problem with him. You got a problem with me. And I ain't the problem you want, killer. Like, I ain't, you know, I ain't, I ain't the problem you want at all. And, you know, I probably added a little more into it. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> long story short, he left Mike alone. But I mean, if you, if you, I mean, but I, but the one thing about me at University of Florida, we, any college you go to, you know, majority of the time, and I got along with a lot of the older guys at University of Florida as far as the football guys. When I first got to University of Florida, guys like Fred Taylor, I got along with a lot of the older guys that were there before me. The next generation I kind of came in, which was my class and the class after that, it started to be a little football, basketball, you know, a little football, basketball friction. And, of course, I was in the middle of majority of it. And I just remember Coach Donovan calling me in the office. And he was like, yo, I just got a call from Steve Spurrier. And he asked me to keep you away from these guys. <laughs> and I was just like, really? It's like, there's like 60 of them. They all live away and they want me to, they want to keep me away from their guys. It's like, come on, man. Like, I ain't starting no trouble. I'm just finishing. <laughs> well, you were, you were a little different size at that point too, right, UD? I mean, that, that was, yeah, that was before it the slip. It, it wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't the size of Ethan. It's the mentality. Hit first and hit hard, killer. <laughs> <laughs> that don't that don't change that don't change no matter how big or small you get. All right. So after University of Florida experience, you go overseas. And so that had to be a, a bit of a jarring experience. But I know for you it was an experience where you dedicated yourself to getting your body right, giving yourself an opportunity. What was the hardest part of that before the heat ended up giving you a chance at Summer League? You know, the hardest part was just believing that I was actually in Europe. People don't even know. I couldn't believe I was actually in Europe. You know, I, I didn't know where I would be drafted, but, you know, a stellar career winning this, Florida, winning this player in the University of Florida history at that time, setting records in the national championship game, third-team All-American. You know, I'd done a lot of stuff. I had a lot of accolades. So, you know, the first thing I had to sink in, that had to sink in was that, damn, I, I really wasn't drafted. The night I got to France, I drank a whole bottle of Hennessy down there, or at least, a, or at least a three quarters of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting on the back porch of my house and I'm just saying like, this ain't right. I ain't supposed to be here. You know what I mean? But I was supposed to be here. It was, it was for me to, to kind of take a look at myself and, and kind of do some uh, self-checking. I made a point to myself that I stayed on American time the whole time. I never got on French time. So 
I basically stayed up all night and slept pretty much during the day. And that was my mindset to say, like, okay, this is just a pit stop and I'm going back home. Now, you mentioned staying on American time, but where in France were you? And did you like, do you take on board any like French culture? Like, do you, can you go now? Do you like speak any? Like, it, or was it just purely, I'm here to play basketball and then go back to the NBA? I learned how to count my, 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 uh, my money in France. I learned, <laughs> to, you know, I learned how to count that check. You know what I mean? I, I definitely learned that. The euro was, you know, bigger than the dollar at that time. And, you know, my main concern was like, okay, how many euros am I making? What's the, what, you know, what's the, difference between the euro and the dollar. Can I take all these euros back in, in a bag and then change them over when I get home since they're more than the dollar? That was the conversation I was having with myself. It wasn't about France. They tried to send me to French class, and I took it for like two days, and I went and told the team, I'm like, yo, man, I'm here to play basketball. I'm not here to speak French. And I was the best player on the team, obviously, so it was like, what, you know, what you going to do? But, you know, when you're playing in Europe, they'll send you home. Like, we had, like, you know, they have the opportunity to have two Americans on each team. I was one. And we went through like three other Americans, like two or three guys that got sent home. You know, if you're American over there and they're not, you're not performing the way they want you to and they're not happy with you, let's send home and bring back another. So after you're over there, you come back to the States. And I remember a little bit of this because I was covering the team at the time. Dwayne's drafted 2003. You're playing summer league ball. What was sort of your first interaction with the Heat organization at that time? When did you start to interact with Stan in particular? Because he was he was the coach of the team at that time. And when did you think, okay, I'm going to make this team? Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick this time. I mean, I never really had a thought about it. You know, I just was going to do everything I could, not have any regrets, and kind of hope it worked out. You know, I had been in that same situation before with the Atlanta Hawks was the last cut, you know, and they end up keeping a guy that just had more experience. And at that time, you know, you know, uh, it was, I think it was the guy, Ira Nubel, if I'm not mistaken, they kept Ira Nubel instead of me. So I didn't want to put too much stock in it. I didn't want myself to get too up and have to be, you know, put down or disappointed. So I just said, man, I'm going to lay it on the table and see, see where it goes. But, you know, I had already signed a contract to go play in Europe again, but this time I had an out clause in my contract where if I was offered a contract or signed by an NBA team, that they would let me out my contract. So my mindset was just, hey, man, you don't got nothing to lose. And, you know, we all know the, the most dangerous animals are the ones that have nothing to lose with their back against the wall. So I had nothing to lose. My back was against the wall. I was home. And I just go ahead and laid it on the line. Would say, shit, if it's a brick wall, is in front of me. I'm going to run through it. You know, and whatever happens, happens. So you make that team. That team starts 0-7 that year. I remember some articles, uh, Udonis, that were written like, is this the worst team in the NBA? And then you guys end up turning it on, go 42-40, and 40, make it to the second round, lose to Indiana. A lot of people are really fond of that team. There are people who like that team better than the three championship teams that you were on. They just really related to that 2003-2004 season. Um, is there something from that season, one game, one situation, uh, something about sort of your welcome to the NBA moment, anything that sort of when you think of that group that you played with that year that sticks out the most to you? Um, togetherness, you know, to have that kind of togetherness, the way we had, we were all young. You know, even our vets were young. You know, Lamar was our vet and he was young. You know, um, that was the thing that stood out the most to me, how much fun we had, how together we were. You know, people focused on the record and yeah, we didn't, we didn't like the fact that we were losing, but we went, we came into practice every day with a good attitude. We pushed each other every day. We worked hard and we, make it a, we made it a fun working environment. Everybody really, really enjoyed each other. You know, and that's rare in this league. You know, it's rare that Everybody gets along. Everybody enjoys each other. But you know, we had that with that team. And that was the thing that was most that was that was most memorable about that squad is that you know everybody really, really, really like hanging out with each other. You talk about Lamar was our vet. How old was Lamar at that time? Like twenty five, maybe. You're talking about the vet on our team was maybe twenty five, twenty six. You know what I mean? You know, we had other vets, but 
you know, we talk about the guy who, you know, besides, you know, the older guys, the guy who, you know, we kind of gravitated to and the guy we kind of looked to a, a little bit was Lamar. And Dwayne, I, I want to start here. I want to get into Dwayne with you a little bit because uh, obviously you played with him on that summer league team. And I, I remember from being up in Orlando, UD, that LeBron was up there with Cleveland. And I remember them actually playing in the, in the big gym where a lot of the games were in the, in the other gym because there was so much media to watch LeBron at the beginning that I, I thought Dwayne, it almost got overlooked a little bit, even though he'd been the fifth pick mm-hmm. in the draft. Was there a moment, a practice, a workout, a game, an exhibition where you realized he's really special? People don't understand, man. Dwayne grew tight before we even played a game or summer league together. Me and Dwayne spent the entire summer together, you know, before summer league even started. You know, our days were starting off at the track at UM, back over to the arena for weightlifting and conditioning. Then we would work on our basketball stuff, you know, basketball drills, you know, all that basketball stuff. And then we would go eat lunch, relax a little bit. Then we would go back over to the arena and play pickup, whether it be at the arena or we would play at uh, overtime youth center. So me and Dwayne spent that entire summer together, you know, pretty much. And that's I knew he was special before he even played a game of summer. He just spent the summer with him and the way we worked and watching some of the things that he was able to do. You know, I knew he was special from that point. And where did your connection begin in terms of personally? Obviously, you've been together for more than a decade now, but the sort of bonds of that relationship, where did they begin? And, and how close are you guys? Are, are, would you guys say you, you, you guys are best friends? Like, how far along do you guys go in relationship building? We beyond best friends. And I consider Dwayne as, as a brother. You know, the things that we, we encountered growing up were so similar. You know, we didn't know, I didn't know much about his story. You know, he didn't know much of my story, but my mom passed away, but she developed a relationship with his mom. And, you know, we both grew up in houses where drug addiction was an issue. You know, we both moved around a little bit. You know, we both overcame, you know, some odds that weren't in our favor. You know, we both had boys at a young age. You know, I had my son, Kidonis, when I was in high school. You know, he had his son, Zaire, at a young age. So, you know, it was just a lot of things that we related to, you know, as young men. And as we worked together and continued to grow together and continue to just talk to each other, we found out how many things we had in common. And, you know, it kind of just felt natural. Is there a moment, Udonis, from because obviously we, we've seen your relationship grow with him and, and how special it is when you get opportunities on the court together and him coming back this year. I think some people don't realize how generous Dwayne can be in a lot of different situations. I've experienced it myself. I know a lot of people have. Is there a, a story about Dwayne sort of coming to your aid in a situation that maybe a lot of people don't know? Um, I mean, obviously, everybody knows the story about when I was going to leave. And, you know, he got on the phone with LeBron and he got on the phone with those guys and he was like, yo. We need this guy. We're going to win it all. And I think that says it all. And I think, you know, for me personally, if I'm not, not not mistaken, I think LeBron was also on board. Like, we need this guy to win. But I think it was the part about, obviously, that the conversation had to be had about, you know, taking less money. You know, that's a whole different conversation. It's one thing to say we need this guy to win. Again, most guys, when they hear you got to take less money, like, oh, no, 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 never mind, never mind. You know how that goes. So, you know, it, it, was, it was all that whole thing that went down. As our guest today knows, for an athlete to be successful, it takes more than an individual, it takes a team. The same applies in business. That's why more small to mid-sized businesses in South Florida are choosing Greenlight Tech, the full-service concierge IT company that always gets it right. Greenlight Tech advises, monitors, supports, and keeps your important data backed up and secure. They'll even manage your vendors. Call Greenlight Tech at 561-325-325. 9997. That's 561 325 9997. Mention five reasons and you'll get a free assessment. Sign up and your first month is free. 
Be unstoppable. Visit greenlighttech.com. That's greenlighttek.com. All right, so I want to go ahead a little bit now because if you have that team in 2003-4, people fall in love with that team, but I don't know if you guys would have developed into a championship contender. I guess that's a question to ask you. Do, do you think if, if Shaq hadn't arrived, that that team, if it had had two, three, four years, might have developed into that? I'm sorry, say again? It's funny, so, it's funny you just said that. Dwayne just texted me. <laughs> <laughs> tell him to come on Crazy, the pod. Right? Tell, tell him to come on Crazy, the pod. right? He's next, UD. You know, it would have been interesting. It would have been interesting. I mean, I mean, we had a good core group of guys. Obviously, saw Lamar, I think, went on to be six men of the year or something like that in, in L.A. So we had a good core group of guys, you know, and I'm sure that team would have been a playoff team. Who knows how far that team would have been a big one of the playoffs. But I think, you know, you add a couple pieces and you continue to grow that team with the young stars of Dwayne and Lamar. And I think Karan at that time was coming back off injury. I think he started that season early injured. The late Russell, you know, I think we had some pieces. So, you know, we keep, you know, that team together. You know, we're, we're definitely a team that, you know, makes some noise in the playoffs. All right. But so Shaq arrives. And they have the big celebration. He's spraying everybody with a water gun outside of American Airlines Arena. To me, it elevated the franchise from a national perspective because I, the, the franchise had been successful in the late 90s. Obviously, you were aware of it. But then with Shaq coming, it wasn't just a Miami thing anymore. It was a national, international thing. That team and building towards the 2006 championship, do you have a Shaq story that you like to tell? Because I know you guys bonded, too. You talk about you and Dwayne bonding, but but Shaq really took to you right away. How do you think you earned his respect? I mean, as hard as I played, you know what I mean? People, you know, talk about, you know, <clears throat> and I'm the death, you know, but I'm, and I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, well, I'm not going to say who, because I'm not sure who wrote it, but I, I remember this article being written, and it was an article that was written that said Shaq had never won a championship playing next to a power forward that was smaller than, see, this is the kind of stuff people think to write. But he's never wrote it. He's never won. He's never won a championship playing next to a power forward that was six eight or shorter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what the hell? So that means because he played with Travis Knight, that he's gonna win a championship now. Man, I tear Travis Knight ass limb from limb, six twelve or whatever he was. It don't matter. Like, so I'm like, yo, this is what people want with this. So immediately when Shaq when Shaq got in, man, he immediately instilled confidence in me. Like right away, like, you can do it. You open, shoot it. You miss the first one, shoot it again. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Whatever your game day routine is, if you had a bad game, don't change your routine. Stick to your routine. You know, Shaq was all about uplifting. You know what I mean? That's the first thing he did. You know, I'm not saying Dwayne wouldn't have been flashed or I wouldn't have the career that I had, but definitely Shaq coming in gave us a whole nother level of confidence that, you know, we didn't quite have at that time. So that first year, you guys get close. Dwayne gets hurt in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Maybe if that doesn't happen, you guys win a championship that year. But then Pat makes all those trades, and he brings in a totally different group. So I'm going to throw this at you, UD. Who was the craziest guy on that 2006 championship team? Man, we had some wild boys. That's a great question. 
I don't even know. Listen, we worked hard and we, you know, we played a little hard too. I really don't know. You know what, Ethan? That's only any given day. That answer could change. <laughs> <laughs> on any given on any given day, that answer could change, and that's just the guys on the truth. You know, what I mean, my guy White Chocolate. You know, what I mean, my man Pose, Antoine Walker, Gary Payton, myself, and Anderson, Shaq. Huh. <laughs> Honestly, if I say one person, then somebody else might get mad and be like, why you ain't say me? Remember this? <laughs> you're like, okay, yeah, you're right. You're crazy. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, you're right. You're crazy as hell for that. So, I mean, it could go on and on about, you know, those guys. And, but, I mean, once again, they showed us another side of the NBA. You know, me and Dwayne were green at that time. You know, we just played basketball, and basketball was our life. You know, they showed us how to kind of play basketball, win, enjoy it, and then enjoy what comes with basketball and, you know, have a little fun as well. You know, that was something that me and Dwayne weren't used to. We was green. We was young. We just played basketball and went home. A night out for me and Dwayne was probably going to movies and going to dinner or something. That was it. That was not a night out for those guys, uh, for sure. I, I want to take you to Dallas. No, we had to learn. Well, it, it, every city we went to, Shaq had a party. It's like Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal hosting a party. Shaquille O'Neal hosting a party. Shaquille O'Neal hosting a party. Shaquille O'Neal hosting a party. Like, how you cannot go? Well, of course, you have to go. Is there any, like, sort of off-the-court craziness stories from that 06 team that, that you kind of remember the best? And can tell, of course. Right, right of course. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. Every day was something different, man. Every day was something different, man. But you know, for the most part, you know, big fella run around and bear hug people butt naked, and you just try to take off and run from. Them. <laughs> you know, but one thing, one thing I learned from Shaq, man, is he he learned how to you know just make an NBA season not seem so long. You know, every day he came in with a joke. Every day he came with it with a prank. Every day he came in uplifting people. You know what I'm saying? That was one thing. He was just fun to play with and fun to be around. So I want to take you to Dallas, uh, 2006. You guys win the championship on the road um, after being down 2-0 in that series. Uh, Ron Rothstein was on and, and told us a story about the locker room after going down 0-2, and Pat was basically like, you know, we're going to win the championship on this date and, and writing it on the board. He's like, if anybody doesn't believe me, walk out right now, and Ron wanted to walk out of the room. What was that feeling like for you personally with your personal journey having to come from overseas to win that title, what was what were the first thoughts in your mind after winning that first championship in 06? I mean, I just thought about all the articles that were written, all the articles that was written, everybody that doubted me, everything I had to overcome, the article that was written about a guy that, you know, said that Shaq is never won with a power forward my height. Another article was written by a local guy in Miami that, you know, once the Heat signed me, even though I was undrafted free agent and they signed me, I hadn't played one game, hadn't done anything. And this was when Lamar and those guys were here before we got shot. Kind of like, you know, dogged me a little bit and threw me under the bus. And I'm like, okay, you the same guy who used to cover me in high school. And you told me I was great for you. I was great in high school when you covered me. I ain't played a game for the Heat, and you already kicking dirt on me. So it was just a lot of things that, you know, were going through my mind at that time. Obviously not being drafted when I thought I was better than some guys that were drafted. You know, I just felt like I always got the short end of the stick a lot of times. So that was my chance to be on top. You know, the underdog finally got to be on top. You know, so for me, it was just uh, it was a lot of emotions and like a thousand pound weight lifted off my shoulders. And to be able to do it for my city, you know what I'm saying? I'm going home to my city, to my homeboys, to my family, to the people I grew up with. To, to, to You know, those are huge for me. It was a lot of emotions. 
continue with you, Donna Sasno, in a moment. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsors, Soccer Zone Indoor, one of the coolest places to play indoor soccer in South Florida. Host pickup games in one of their three pitches with top artificial turf. You can also host parties there in one of their three party areas. I was following them on Instagram, and I saw they're having some great parties there for World Cup matches, including for the Mexico win over Germany. It looked awesome. Great place to go and watch the games. You can also sign up for coaching and training while you're there. Centrally located on the corner of Miramar Parkway and Flamingo Road, so easily accessible from just about anywhere in South Florida. A 20,000 square foot facility, wall-to-wall air conditioning, and flat screen TVs, and a projector to watch games. So here's how you contact them. 954-450-6010. Again, that's 954-450-6010. Or you can find them on social media at Soccer Zone Indoor. That's Instagram, that's Snapchat, and the various other social media platforms, including Facebook. Tell them five reasons sent you and get 50% off field rentals, birthday parties, and merchandise. That's Soccer Zone Indoor. So 2010, LeBron makes the decision to come down. As you mentioned, uh, Dwayne makes the pitch for you to stay, for how important you were going to be. Everybody takes less money so it can happen. I, I remember you coining the big three and the little 12 um, and, and going with that <laughs> during that season. The little 12 kept changing. The big three stayed the same. But it wasn't all easy, especially at the very beginning. With all the expectations, Memphis, you get hurt. What were the thoughts at that time and how frustrating was that season for you as you're watching this team that was supposed to be so great struggle at times without you? I mean, I, just, I, I thought I broke my foot, you know, that was the, the first thing that I thought was, man, I broke my foot. So, you know, that was, that was my first thought. I really didn't know what kind of injury I had, but, you know, it was difficult. You know, we had anticipated this and, you know, people don't realize that was just a long summer for me. I had, you know, I lost my mom and I had been arrested. You know, and then I got injured, you know, so that was a long off season and a long season for me. So I had to overcome a lot of obstacles. So, you know, at that time, you know, it was hard watching those guys play, but, you know, basketball wasn't my main focus at that time. It was life, you know. Like I said, I lost my mom. I've been arrested, hurt my foot. It's an injury that I'm not used to. It's an injury I've never heard of. Will I be able to play again? So all the while I'm watching, I'm rooting for these guys, and I'm also having my personal dilemma that I'm dealing with as well. And then we find out in Boston, uh, I remember Pat tapping you on the shoulder saying you were going to play tonight in Boston during the playoffs. That first time didn't go so well, but then we had a lot of people on, on Twitter when I said what to ask you about. They suggested this game, that adrenaline rush in Chicago in that Eastern Conference Finals, what you did to Keith Bogans, uh, all the things that happened in that game. Yeah. Is that uh, of your basketball memories? Is that one of your fondest? Just, and, and kind of uh, just take us through that. Once again, it was one of those things where I beat the odds. You know, it was a Liz Frank injury. I was not supposed to play that year. But the best thing I was able to do that season was I went to practice every day, stayed around the guys every day. When the guys went up to practice, I went to the weight room. Whenever I finished my weight room work, I would go upstairs and watch practice with the guys every day. So the thing I was able to do was stay engaged mentally, and that helped when I came back. The first game back in Boston, you know, it's a high-pressure situation. My first shot was I don't even think I hit the rim. It was like all back. But I still had like eight rebounds in like five minutes, though. So even though people didn't think it went well, it went well enough for me. We won. I did my job. I rebounded and I defended. At the end of the day, they ain't paid me to make score 25 points a night. So it went well enough for me. Coming back into Chicago, I had already got my feet wet in Boston. You know, Chicago was one of those things where they were physical. It was a physical gap, you know, in the physicality that they were playing with. And it was just a perfect opportunity for me to come back. You know, I, I had been practicing. I had been working out. There was so much work going on behind the scenes. I didn't just pop up out of bed and go play basketball. So 
you know, once I got those jitters out in the first game back against Boston, you know, coming in against Chicago, watching how, you know, the first couple of games went and kind of being frustrated because I wanted to be out there. I wanted to kind of make my impact, but obviously understanding I haven't played all season. Other guys have been playing. I got to wait my turn. And when I got in, I was just myself, who I am and what I am. And I wanted to ask you, uh, moving forward here a little bit, so you guys end up getting to the, the finals in, in 2011. doesn't go so well, obviously, against Dallas. But then the next year, and then the year after that, you win championships. Are there any memories that jump out to you about the two games that people think about the most from that era, which would be that game six in Boston where LeBron scored 45 and the game six against the Spurs in the finals the next year where Ray hits the shot? Obviously, those games have been talked about a lot. But from your perspective, how did you sort of experience those two games? Man, people don't even know. I don't know if this happened on purpose, if it was an accident. We literally arrived to that game in Boston maybe 30 minutes before tip-offs. The bus was late. There was all kind of traffic. Who knows if he took the scenic route? We had a lot of speculation. You know what I mean? But when you walk in that locker room and people that have played with LeBron know this look. And you only know the look if you played with him. We looked at him and we was like, yo, we late, there's whatever. He looked at us and he just gave us this frown and shook his head like, yeah. Me and Dwayne looked at each other and said, oh yeah. We knew what time it was. It's this look It's this look that he has, you know, when he's locked in. And if you play with him, you know it. And he gave us that look and we knew at that time it wouldn't matter who they had on their sideline or what time we showed up that we were going to take care of business. And then 2013 against the Spurs, game six, uh, Ray tells him to get the MF and uh, ropes out of the way. That's a podcast. Ethan, you can't say it? Okay, we can say it. Get those motherfucking ropes out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I thought. That's what I, I, I thought. So Ray tells me to get the motherfucking ropes out of the way. That entire experience there will you look back at it some people think it's the greatest basketball game that's ever been played in the nba great am i am i is the greatest shot the greatest shot i've ever seen greatest shot but he practices that shot over and over i mean ray literally will lay down flat on his back jump up back pedal to the three-point line and shoot the ball like he practices those kinds of shots and those kinds of drills but that's probably the greatest shot that i've ever witnessed in a basketball game with the pressure the degree of difficulty backpedaling to get his feet behind the line there was just so many things that happened in that short period of time. When you look back at the entire Big Three era, you guys win two championships in four years. You reach four finals under immense pressure. You were dealing with a media crush like no team in history has ever dealt with, in my opinion. When you look at it, is, do you, is, yeah, no, but is an overwhelming success for you? Is that how you view it? Like when you sort of classify, how should we remember the Heatles? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Like the Heatles, we were the show. At that time, we were the show, but it was a different show, different than the Golden State show. And that's not hating on Golden State. I'm, I'm happy for them. That's the success that they're having. But everybody seemed to like them for whatever reason. Nobody really liked us. You know, so we were the show. You know, whether you loved us or hated us, you was coming to see us regardless. You know, that's one thing about it. Whether you liked us or didn't like us, you were coming to see us regardless. You know, that's why we gave ourselves the heaters. You know, you we were, we were the Beatles of basketball at that time. You know what I mean? And we remember that as an exciting team to watch, you know, a fun team to watch. We competed. We played defense. You know, we pretty much had everything that you needed. We had shooters. We had new playmakers. We had role players. You know, we had it all. I wanted to get to this one, and this has been requested by a lot of people on social media. So I'm going to give you four names here, UD, because, uh, I mean, if you go on Twitter, you'll see these videos of you basically telling 
guys on other teams how it's supposed to be. So I'm going to give you four names. You tell me who you were angriest at in these situations. We've got Zaja Pachulia, Lance Stevenson, and I got to know, Chris and I have talked about this. We have to know what you told Lance <laughs> when he was going at LeBron during that game. We have to get the general idea of that. David West and Tyler Hansborough. So those are your four names. Pachulia, Stevenson, West, and Hansborough. Who made you the angriest in those situations? Probably Hansborough. You see who got the worst of that? <laughs> Hansborough, for sure, for sure. Hansborough. But see, but you know what? The thing, the thing, the thing that that sucks about Hansborough is he got what he deserved, but he got a little bit of what I wanted to give to the other boy with that ponytail. Uh, what his name is? The other girl kid they had that hurt that gave me stitches the game before. I must have. Amundsen. Amundsen. Yeah. He- yeah, he yeah, played for about yeah. 13 NBA teams at Lou Amundsen. That's right. Yeah, but yeah, but he, you know, the game before that, he had just got, got, caught me with one and gave me stitches, you know, and then I took I took mine like a man, and you know, and I came in and actually cooked their ass, and we won that game. That's when I started making all those shots down the stretch in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and we won that game. But um, people don't know if you watch the film when Hansborough hit Dwayne, him and Munson like gave each other five like afterwards as they was watching the play or whatever Dwayne was getting stitched up or however it went him and Munson like slapped each other five like you know like on like like you did something right like good job type shit I was like oh no you already got me now you getting him I mean no nah, we ain't coming no we ain't listen we lose a basketball game that's one thing but we ain't finna take no ass whoopers that's what we not finna do so we it was a timeout we went over to the huddle Spo looked at me and I just immediately told him Spo stay out of this let this happen. Like, it's going to happen. I did not know it was going to happen the very next play. That was God's plan. That wasn't my plan. That was God's plan. Because he set, he, he set Hansborough up on a platter for me. Like, I'm like, is it? And, I, and, I, and it's funny because it happened so fast, but in my mind it played so slow. Because I actually thought about, should I do it right now? Because it's right after the play where Dwayne got hit, so it's going to be obvious. And I had enough time to say to myself, this might be the only chance you get. <laughs> and I just took it. So there, there are stories about you coming back on the team plane and getting applauded for this, or that you, or that you were flown in for Game Seven and that you were applauded. So, what was the reaction of your teammates once they had to kind of, you know, okay, you know, let's put on a face for the cameras in private moments? How celebrated was that? I got the game ball. I don't know if it was necessarily celebrated for the physical aspect, as to more so just me being a captain, me being a hell of a teammate, and me doing what was necessary to help my guys win. And that was something that needed to be necessary, man. You're not you're not just going to – you're not – listen, if you beat us in basketball, that's fine. The Spurs beat us in basketball in the finals. They beat us in basketball. What you're not going to do is you're not going to just beat us up and kick our ass, and that, you know, that's not going to happen. And I felt like in that series – Indiana thought the way to beat us was to be more physical than us and beat us up physically, and that just ain't going to happen on my watch. All right, so the last thing here on Indiana, and then we're going to close. Lance, can you tell us what you said to Lance? Because th- that thing is still all over the internet right now. I mean, you're, <laughs> I've commented that LeBron's had a couple guys step in for him in Cleveland, but not like you did for him in Miami. So uh, can you can you give us a little idea of that? Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what I said. I told him, listen, I ain't got nothing to lose. I'll fuck you up. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. That's all we need. As far as I'm concerned, everything we need to get out of this podcast and more has been achieved. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And here at Heat Beat, we talk all things Miami Heat from the absurd. The last time I saw Dion, I want to say it was like early March. He was hanging out in the locker room and he looked like he put on a few pounds. (laughs) I know you guys are all excited about that. (laughs) 
to the serious. Wayne Ellington in particular was just getting caught on a screen for multiple seconds, and that just that puts so much strain on the rest of the defense. With guests ranging from some guy on Twitter named Kevin to ESPN hosts like George Sedano, we have a little something for everyone and anyone. Check us out every week here at the Five Reasons Podcast Network, or find us on Twitter at MIA Heatbeat for all our updates, pods, and videos. Hi, I'm Chris Joseph, and right next to me is Slim. And we run this podcast called The Balls Cast that's right here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. And we're very funny, and we're very charming, and we're very talented. So you should listen to us every week. In fact, we have all these kinds of segments like Don't Be an Ass, where we talk about you shouldn't be an ass. We have Beans Up Top, where we talk about sex and sexual relationships and how you, be, how you can be better at that. Yeah. We also have all kinds of cool guests. We had uh, the president of the Dolphins. What's his name? Tom Garfinkel, ass. Sorry, I'm sorry. Jesus. We had David Sampson on. We have good guests on this yeah. show, and we have skits and sketches. It's great. And we have cool-ass giveaways, man. Yes! We're going to have free wakeboarding sessions. Yeah, some giving really, away some really cool stuff coming up. Yeah. This promo is probably way too long. Nobody probably. wants to hear it anymore. They've already fast-forwarded <laughs> through it. Well, then you deserve to win the stuff if you've listened to this long. Actually, if you, can fi- if you film yourselves listening to this entire promo... We're going to give you some. All right, let's close with this, UD. Um, obviously, uh, I know you've got a decision can, to make. Can, oh, go ahead. Go I, ahead. Can I say one thing? Can I say one thing about this Brown situation? Yes. People, t- like, people take everything out of context, and they take things, and they take what they want from things. Mm-hmm. I told people before the final, me, Brown, and Dwayne sat down and, and had lunch, and people took it as I'm saying, I don't know where LeBron's playing that next year. I ain't asked them. I ain't talked about it. When me, him, and Dwayne sat down, we talked about life. We talked about our kids. We talked about business. We're in our 30s now. Basketball is not the only thing we talk about. So for people to take what I said or to interpret what I said, I mean, I ain't got phone calls. I'm looking on Instagram. I'm looking at the newspaper. Oh, Dwayne Wade's down. Nah, man. Okay, yeah, we sat down to eat. Is that a crime? The man swept the team before them. He had time to come down here and have dinner with friends. That's all that was. I don't know where LeBron going. I ain't asked LeBron where he's going. Hopefully he comes to the heat, but if not, I'm still going to be LeBron boy. All right, that's a good way to put it there. Um, and so for you personally, I know obviously you've got a decision to make this summer about what you want to do, but I know also you're a businessman now. I know you're proud of that growing up in Miami and, and building out everything you've done with, with the bagel shops, with, with Starbucks, I mean, excuse me, with, uh, with Subway and everything you've done with that. In 10 years, what is you your said, you, said, you said it right. You said it right. Starbucks. Oh, it, no, it right. is Starbucks. Okay, so let me throw yes, that. Yes, sir. It is Starbucks. Come on uh, now, Ethan. Tighten uh, up, baby. All right. How many? How many you got? You got Star. You got. <laughs> go get, get. I got UD. Starbucks. Go ahead. I got Starbucks. I got Starbucks. I got Einstein's. I got 800 degrees pizza. I got Subways, and I got NTN. Wow, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of properties. You're almost up to Mashburn at this point, because I know he's got all those. Oh uh, man, I'm, that's 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 the goal. That's the goal. That's the man right there. I reached out to him not too long ago. You sit down. I want to have a conversation. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's done really well. So ten years from now, UD. Let's close with this. Ten years, what is Udonis Haslam doing? Man, hopefully hopefully running the city. And I don't want to be a politician either. People ask me all the time, you want to get involved in politics, mayor? No, I want to get involved in that. But I want to get in, I want to I want to be involved in the city. From the real estate to, you know, the opportunities, the franchises, to just be able to touch everything, man, and just continue to build. You know, but not just for me. At the end of the day, if I was to stop right now, I'd be well off and I'd be fine. 
But it's just so many ways that I realized that I can impact, man. And it's all about just putting yourself out there, man. First, I started out, I didn't trust nobody. I didn't want no friends. Now I look for friends. Now I look for opportunities to meet different people and have conversations and just pick people's brains and just understand how things work, you know. And that's what it is for me. You know, I'll always be a part of the Heat organization. You know, I, once again, I said yesterday I thought about playing in Europe or China. People think that I'm saying I'm a – my thing is I'm just saying this. My mind is open. It's the end of the season. I haven't thought about basketball. I've been thinking about a whole bunch of other stuff, and a whole bunch of ideas come through this head when I'm free. So one day it might be I want to play in China. One day it might be I want to play in Australia. The next day it might be I want to go outside and play at the JCC or something. Like, it's just going to be what it's going to be on that particular day. And then when it's time for me to sit down and make a decision, I'll make a decision, man. But right now I'm all over the place and I'm just enjoying life. And I'm enjoying my businesses, man. People would have told me when I first got into the league that I'd be on a business here. I'd be providing jobs for family members, for people that grew up with my parents. You know, I'm impacting a whole different level of people that the basketball world wasn't able to touch. And it's on a whole different level. So I just want to continue to do that, man. Those are the things that I'm most important about. When people talk about what I'm most important about, I'm going to sit down one day and I'm going to reflect on all the things that I've done basketball-wise and those accomplishments. But until then, I'm going to continue to build and continue to try to be great. That's awesome. That's brilliant. It's terrific, and that's why I voted for you as most Miami, although I won't t- tell Dwayne that if uh, if he ever ends up on the podcast. You <laughs> Man, d- listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> you think? Dwayne will vote for me for most Miami, <laughs> so you ain't getting that wrong. <laughs> that's true. That's Listen. true. That's yeah, true. Dwayne will vote for me for most Miami. So you ain't did nothing wrong. The people that voted for him was the wrong ones, not you. <laughs> Dwayne, my dog, Dwayne, my brother, and I love him to death, but he know who the most, he know who Miami is. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, we get it. All right, UD, thanks, man. Uh, we're going to post this up on Monday morning, most likely, and uh, we'll tag you on it. And I think people will really enjoy it. So thanks for doing it. All right, brother. Take it easy, man. Good talking to you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.